Welcome, loyal listeners, to another episode of Eclectic Full Contact Theater's splendid satirical saunter down memory lane to those thrilling days of yesteryear, Throwing Shade. Remember, if you love the adventures of the Shade and the Vamp, head over to Patreon at patreon.com slash EFCT and become a subscriber for shoutouts. Access to bloopers, exclusive interviews, sweet, sweet merchandise, and much more. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy Throwing Shade! There is a darkness in the minds of men. A darkness in their hearts. A darkness in a room with no lights. And who knows that darkness? Everyone with eyes. What? Everyone was thinking it. Oh, fine. The Shade Knows. By day, Theodore Rockwell is a go-get'em reporter for the Chicago Gazette Times Herald. But by night, he becomes The Shade. Using his uncanny ability to wear dark clothing, he, assisted by his girl Friday, Wednesday morning, who is the mysterious female vigilante, the vamp, defends the downtrodden and fights the forces of evil. But can one man defend the innocent from the scourge of Chicago's underbelly? Find out in the thrilling conclusion to this week's episode, Strange Bedfellows. And this week, uh, it looks like misfortune has befallen the good folks at Mr. Mitten's Meow Munch. In an unexpected turn of events, their product had become so popular that it seems not enough roadkill was being produced to keep up with the high demand of kitty food. So, while Mr. Mittens is on hiatus until they can restock, we are proud to welcome the fine folks at Formal Heidi's Nail Polish. Formal Heidi's, manicures to die for. Also brought to you by Eclectic Full Contact Theater, bringing you high-quality 1930s radio-style satire since, I'll be honest, I don't even know what day it is anymore. Previously on Throwing Shade. Wow. And now, on to our story. Act 3, Scene 1. How to Proof a Bread Thief. The Shade offends both politician and police. Our heroes had just stopped the suspected bread thief only to find that they had apprehended mayoral hopeful Alderman Eugene Gompers Crickshank, leaving the Shade and the Vamp quite confused. I'm confused. Quite. Crookshank, you're the one who's been stealing all this bread? Don't be ridiculous. I'm only out for a morning walk. Maybe so, but you must admit, the circumstances look a little suspicious. We should take him to Cannoli. Spare me the Neapolitan nonsense. We can discuss matters here. The vamp is right. This looks fishy, and we should make sure the chief is in the loop. Fine. 
Never let it be said I didn't respect the due process of the law. The Shade and the Vamp escorted Crookshank to police headquarters, where Chief Cannoli was just arriving. Shade? Vamp? What are you doing with Mr. Crookshank? These two buffoons have decided it's illegal to take a walk. Now, that's not very nice. Exercise is important. Agreed, Chief. Some of us could even stand to exercise a bit more, like I keep suggesting. I think we're losing focus here. We're clearly not losing anything else. I don't need to exercise. Black is slimming. Not that slimming. Crookshank was trying to go into a bakery, Chief, before they were open. And he was singing. Sort of. Oh, that's no good. No, it certainly wasn't. As interesting as this all is, I still don't see the problem. I was out for a stroll, I smelled the fresh breads, and I thought I'd see if there were any bagels to take home for breakfast. And yes, I was singing. It's one of my many hidden talents. Keep it hidden. Mr. Crookashank, are you trying to tell me that this is one big misunderstanding? That's what I've been saying from the beginning. I am not a crook. Shade, Vamp, I'm a surprise at you. You're usually better than this. Especially you, Vamp. Chief, you have to understand. He definitely didn't look innocent. Mr. Crookashank, you are free to leave. So sorry about the confusion. No need to apologize. It's not your fault, Chief Cannoli, for once. Thank you. Maybe you two need some time off. We're doing all right, Chief, but everything was lining up. The singing, the location. I swear he was going to break in. Maybe he was, but why? He can just buy his own bread. He's got enough money. He could buy the whole bakery. Maybe he would do it just to make a scene? Chief, that's... A bad idea, I know. No, that's brilliant. It is? It is? I mean, it is. Yes. Crookshanks isn't a fan of Mayor Crane, right? To say the least. So, if more of these crimes happened, it would make Mayor Crane look bad. That must be it. He's just lucky we caught him before he did something illegal and ruined his political career. You don't want a thief like that to be mayor. No, it takes a whole different type of thief to be mayor. He can't have been the original thief. Whoever that is had to actually sound good. Right. I've got it. Famed Italian tenor Tito Siappa. He's made his triumphant return to Chicago, only this time, instead of joining the opera, he joined the ranks of common thieves. It's a tragedy. Bite your tongue. Tito Schiappa would never lower himself to thievery. A very interesting theory, Shade. However, I've a feeling that's not our man. We'll go out again tonight, and we'll let you know if we find anything, Chief. Thank you, Vamp. I'll take the news from you. But the Shade and I are not on a speaking of terms right now. Come, o se insultare il signor Schiappa. Did he just storm out of his own office? You should know better than to insult the Italian opera in front of him. I'll make it up to him later. 
maybe with some pastry from one of those bakeries. If only there were some Italian pastries I could get, Chief Cannoli. Hmm. Act 3, Scene 2. Master of the House. Mayor Crane mingles. With no serious leads on the bread thief, the Shade and the Vamp changed and headed off for a day's work at the Chicago Gazette Times Herald. Later on, the situation only grew stranger at Rosa's apartment as she and Mayor Crane prepared to visit the shelter. Well, Rosa was preparing. Mayor Crane was stalling. Mr. Mayor, aren't you ready yet? Just a moment, Rosa. Nobody there is going to care about your hair. Now come on, we're going to be late. Rosa, you're getting quite demanding. I'm just treating you like a regular person, like you wanted. Now vamanos! Rosa led Mayor Crane out of the apartment and to the shelter. As they approached, Crane found himself feeling more nervous than he had been in a long time. Rosa, are you sure about this? These people are going to hate me. And why is that? Well, I'm just thinking of some of the legislation I've signed that may not have been to their liking. You mean the ones that may have put these people where they are now and then not helped them once they lost everything? Well, when you put it like that... If that happens, what do you do as a changing man, a common man? This is where that apologizing happens again, isn't it? Do catch on quick. I'll do my best. I just hope the others are as open-minded as you, Rosa. With the mayor's worries mostly put aside, he and Rosa headed in. The sight that greeted the mayor was much less hostile than he expected. People sat at tables together, talking and eating dinner. Ah, Rosa, Mayor Crane. Victor said you might be coming tonight. We're happy to have you, sir. You are? I mean, it's a pleasure to meet you. My name is Juan Valjuan. I run this place. Though I couldn't do it without people like Rosa. She is... I. he doesn't want to hear what I am. Actually, I'd very much like to hear... Just show him around. <laughs> All right, follow me. I'll show you our facility. You must love having Rosa around. She's so helpful here, and so sweet. Yes, I suppose she is helpful. You should see her with the niños. Niños? Children. She teaches them to read, makes up stories. Wait, there are children who are homeless? Of course. If their parents fall on hard times, there's no place for them to go. It's either this or the children get taken and put into orphanages. Taking children from their parents and locking them away? Horrible. Who would ever sanction such a thing? Well, um, you. What? 
to pass the bill cutting funding for job training and extensive unemployment benefits. So more and more people were unable to find work or pay their bills, so... That's... I had no idea. I'm so happy you're here to see what needs to be done and to see the type of people who work for you. Rosa is amazing. Uh, Yes, (laughs) Rosa is full of surprises. And you should know how she talks about you. And this was going so well. Oh, but you are so kind to her. You give her a stable job, one where she can help make a difference. She likes her job, Mayor Crane, and she likes you, even if she's too stubborn to say it. You honestly think that? More than think. I know because she told me. Perhaps we should join the others. Very well, Mayor Crane. Juan and Mayor Crane made their way back to the main room, where Rosa sat at a table with a woman. Ah, Mr. Mayor, did Juan show you everything? Yes, Rosa, I learned quite a lot. We can go now if you want. No, you look busy. (laughs) Who is this? This is Betty. She and her son are staying here right now. Hello, sir. Hello. No need for the sir. What are you two ladies doing? Oh, Rosa was painting my nails for me. She has such a steady hand. They always look so beautiful. I see. They're very red. Thank you. Rosa brought in some formal Heidi's nail polish for us girls here. They have a wide variety of colors, from red to pink or even beige. And they are quite shiny. That's because of their patented formula. Formaldehyde's mix of chemicals truly provides the best manicure for beautiful, well-preserved nails. They are quite striking. (laughs) They're making me feel rather giddy. (laughs) That's the fumes. Formaldehyde's nail polish gives your nails a strong, unbreakable shine. But they'll make your head spin. Literally. That's wonderful. I'm certainly glad that Rosa has supplied you all with the highest quality products. Perhaps I'll make a donation to some formal Heidi's nail polish for you all myself. Oh, thank you, Mayor. That's very kind. What else would you need here? Blankets are always welcome. It gets so cold in Chicago, (laughs) but you know that. I do? I mean, I certainly do. I couldn't help but over here. Are you considering giving us a donation, Mayor Crane? I am. I was just asking this young woman what she thinks would be best. We always need food. We've had a good supply of bread lately, but man cannot live on bread alone. Or woman, for that matter. I'll see what I can do. Where has this bread been coming from? Oh, Victor has been bringing it in. He's so kind to be donating it all. That certainly is generous. This is the same Victor who is that charming guitarist? The very same. Isn't he dreamy? You could just Mm. eat him up. They'll be locking him up if he's not careful. 
We'll return to throwing shade. Strange bedfellows in just a moment. But first, a word from our sponsor. Friends, does your nail polish flake away after just one wash of your hands? Does that brightly colored shine fade to a dull matte in mere moments? Well, worry no more. Formal Heidi's Nail Polish is your solution to all of your nail lacquer laments. Heidi has perfected a long wear, high shine formula to keep your nails preserved in pristine condition. Your manicure will look almost lifelike with Formal Heidi's special top secret formula. Their patented mix of chemicals is made to keep your nails stiff and looking good as ever. Pick up a bottle today. Formal Heidi's, the last nail polish you'll ever need. And now, back to our story. Act 4, Scene 1. Mixed Doubles. Wednesday and Theo get the inside scoop. The next morning, Theo, still struggling under the weight of the typewriter, and Wednesday headed over to City Hall to check on how the situation was going with the mayor. Mayor Crane, I'm glad you're in. We have a few... Did I ask you to come in? Well, no, but... He didn't even knock. The door was open. Theo and Mayor Crane watched each other in a stalemate, until Wednesday with a sigh, turned and went back to the door. Come in! See? The mayor has been learning so much about vida regular. Regular life. Like the fact that people knock when they want to come into rooms so that they don't open the door on people doing things like brushing their teeth or doing their makeup. I already apologized the whole way over. Wait, Maya Crane was doing his makeup? I feel like I'm missing something. You're missing your typewriter. Maya Crane, do you mean to tell me that you're staying at Miss Honeysuckle's apartment? No one has heard from you all week, Maya. We were beginning to be afraid you just skipped town for the week, headed into Indiana to get away from the press. Don't even joke about such a thing. There are certain lines I won't cross, and the Indiana border is one of them. Yes, Miss Morning, Rosa graciously offered her apartment for me to stay at for the week so that I could get a better feel for the life of the working class. I don't know that graciously offered would be the words I'd use. Rockwell, what are you doing with that typewriter? He's mangling it is what he's doing. There is absolutely no mangling going on. This is worse than when you used my car. Do you think the mechanic will look at my typewriter once you're through butchering it? You're being overdramatic. <clears throat> Mayor Crane, Miss Morning and I were so inspired by your act this week, we decided to take up the challenge ourselves. Wednesday has been taking the lead on the stories, and I type everything out for her. And then I retype it later when he's not around. What? Nothing. Rosa, not to be too forward, but aren't you single? See, 
The mayor didn't think to ask that before he invited himself to stay. So you've been staying in the same apartment? Alone with your unmarried secretary? If you type that up, I'll have your job and your typewriter. Leave poor Tessa out of it. She's innocent. Innocent, I tell you. You can report that Mayor Crane is not backing away from a challenge. Not the challenge to live like a regular person, nor the challenge to win the election. If it's a fight Cruikshank wants, that's what he'll get. You tell him, Mayor Crane. Thankfully, this week has been going rather smoothly. Rosa has been showing me how the masses live, and I have been learning quite a bit about her as well. <laughs> if he had opened that door five minutes earlier, he would have learned too much. Yes, well, also, thankfully, <laughs> this week is almost over. I'm looking forward to getting my home back. And I'm looking forward to getting my typewriter back. Oh, just a few more days, dear. We can make it. Rockwell, she's talking to the typewriter. Maybe you two need some time off. You know, Mayor, I'm starting to think we do. Act 4, Scene 2. Things go sourdough. Mayor Crane attempts compassion. Theo and Wednesday left the mayor's office contemplating the thought of a vacation. Later that evening, as the mayor and Rosa headed home, Mayor Crane contemplated how to go about revealing his epiphany to Rosa. Miss Honeysuckle, tell me, are you close to your neighbor Victor? Well, he's only about two doors down. Why? No, Rosa. I mean, how close are you to him? Personally. Mr. Mayor, I don't think that's any of your business. No, 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 not like that. Just, do you know him well as an acquaintance? Oh, see, he and I are friends. And do you think he would do something criminal? Victor? Oh, no. He is a sweet, kind man. I'm sure he is. And I think that's the problem. You are making less sense than usual. Rosa, I believe Victor is behind those bakery break-ins that have been going around. Mr. Mayor, how could you say such a thing? Victor is a good man. Yes, he is poor, but that doesn't make him a criminal. I thought we went over that. I know being poor doesn't make him a criminal. But think about it, Rosa. The bakeries that had this happen have all been on the Lower West Side, right around your apartment and Val Juan's shelter. They've all reported that someone has been singing during the thefts. And at the shelter, Juan told me that Victor has been bringing in bread for donations. It all adds up. Wait, how do you know all of this? You never pay attention to any of Police Chief Canole's briefings. That's true. I can't follow anything he says. But I do read the summaries that you write up for me. You do? Yes. As difficult as it may be to believe, I do care what happens to this city. Ay, Dios mío. 
Victor is going to get himself into trouble with that big heart of his. Did I hear my name? Ah! Ah! A startled Rosa and Mayor Crane turned to see that Victor had appeared on the street next to them. Victor, what are you doing here? Rosa, this is our apartment building. Oh, of course it is. Come on inside, Victor. I'd like your help with something. What do you need, Mayor Crane? I was just wondering if you could help me catch a thief, son. I'm not sure I'm qualified for that, sir. I'm a musician, not a police officer. I think you're the one behind all this bread nonsense. Mayor Crane, please, think about this. You do? Are you going to arrest me? Relax, son. I'm not going to have you arrested. You are No, I'm not. What you did was wrong, but even I have been known to bend the rules for less admirable causes before. Mr. Mayor. Many, many years ago, of course. Just in case anyone is listening, the point is, Victor, you need to stop. But we need the food, sir. The shelter will be provided for. It does help to have friends in City Hall. We're friends. Victor. Victor. Of course not. I barely know you. But you and Rosa are. And she is in City Hall. Just stop stealing and I'll see what can be done. Mr. Mayor, I can't believe you're going to turn a blind eye to what I've done. Victor. Believe me, if there's one thing politicians are good at, it's ignoring things we'd rather not have the public know about. Now come, Rosa. I'm going to make us dinner tonight. I'll be stopping by later to get some actual food. Just a few more days, Rosa. Gracias, adios. Scene 3. Gone awry. The challenge is complete. As the week drew to a close, a new morning dawned in Chicago with no reports of missing bread for the third day in a row. And the public gathered for what promised to be a peaceful, civilized press conference. Now you're telling me that you don't like the Cubs or the Sox? You've got to pick one. I've got to support the Dodgers. I'm from Brooklyn. I thought you said you were from Brookfield. Ah, well, some things never change. Before taking the stage, Mayor Crane addressed mayoral candidate Eugene Gompers Cruikshank. A little bird told me that you were trying to make me look bad. That was a dumb bird. You don't need much help with that. Oh, wow. Why would you say something like that? Perhaps later. Gentlemen of the press. And puddles. Some things never change. You said it, sister. As you know, my opponent had challenged me to spend a week living as an average person. I can honestly stand before you and say that I have succeeded in that 
and am now quite average. Finally, something we can agree on. Well, that's certainly good news. While these changes in my way of life may not last forever, I have been given a newfound respect and appreciation for the effort and hard work it takes to make a living in this fine city of ours. Furthermore, I have found the culprit behind the bakery break-ins. Who was it, Mayor Crane? How did you manage to catch them on your own? I'm not releasing any names, and I'm not prosecuting them. They had noble goals that they took unsavory means to reach. To that end, I will be establishing a fund to help the homeless shelters and soup kitchens around Chicago, as well as asking the state legislature to draw up a new bill increasing unemployment benefits and fund job training programs to help stem the tide of homelessness affecting the men and women and children of Chicago. Wednesday, I think Rosa switched out the mayor for someone else and didn't tell anybody. Somebody with a heart full of love. I have a question for Mr. Crookshank. What is it, little lady? I am not. (sighs) Did Mayor Crane scare you by taking up your gauntlet? Not a bit. Crane can parade around like a regular person and put up a facade, but we will all be there when he can no longer keep up the charade. Save the rhymes for the campaign buttons, Crookshank. As the mayor left the stage, Theo and Wednesday made their way into City Hall to catch up with Mayor Crane. It's certainly been quite a week, Miss Morning. To think, Mayor Crane caught a criminal without us or Chief Cannoli. Yes, quite impressive. Now quit stalling, I've waited long enough. And I must say, I've quite enjoyed my time as your typist. I can't say the same. Now give it to me! Wednesday, you're being a bit forward and quite confusing. My dear, I can't wait to hold you. Miss Morning, I'm not that type of boy. The typewriter, Theo! Give me my typewriter back! Oh, right. That, of course. (sighs) And all was right with the world. Theo, you seem flustered. You must be mistaken. I've never been flustered in my life. Hello, Mrs. Rockwell. What? My mother? Where? I... Ooh. Oh. I see what you're doing. It's not funny. Really? Because according to my list, that was very funny. I'm starting to think that typewriter gives you too much power. Oh, hush. Miss Morning, Mr. Rockwell. What a pleasure. Do you want to see the mayor? Actually, Rosa, I'm more concerned about you. How did you hold up this week? Can you give us any insights on the mayor? I think I'm going to need therapy for all the insights burned into my brain. You have no idea what that man's hair looks like without his grooming products. So you'll be happy to see Mayor Crane move out of your apartment? Happy doesn't begin to describe it, Mr. Rockwell. Do you two like working with each other? Um, yes. Most days. Then never, never live together. We We weren't weren't planning planning on on it. it. Good. 
I need a vacation. Is it just me, or is that starting to sound like a really good idea? This has been Throwing Shade, sponsored by Formal Heidi's Nail Polish. Throwing Shade is brought to you by Chicago's premier storefront theater, Eclectic Full Contact Theater, reminding you to stay safe and stay home. And listen to every episode of Throwing Shade. Check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash EFCT and become a monthly subscriber for exclusive access to rehearsal videos, outtakes, photos, fancy shade merchandise, and more. Plans start as low as $3 a month. So support your favorite podcast for mere pennies during the pandemic. And don't forget about our other podcasts, all part of the Eclectic Podcast Network. Deep Shadows, Bloody Bay, Cluster, Monocyte, and the Half Hour Audio Hour, our monthly audio drama anthology. Created by Sarah Siegel and Andrew Pond. Written by Andrew Pond and Kaylee Osterman. Starring the voice talents of Jessica Lauren Fisher, Daniel Hu, Serena Johnston, Noelle Kleiss, Kaylee Osterman, Andrew Pond, Rochelle Prue, and Julian Serna. Our Foley artist is Lori Iyer. Our engineer is Daniel Hu. And I'm your narrator, Noelle Kleiss. Special thanks to Tina Salamone. Tune in next week. Same shade time. Same shade Hello, everyone. This is Andrew Pond. And I'm Jessica Lauren Fisher. You might remember us from such podcasts as, well, this one. We'd like to take this opportunity to thank our followers on Patreon, including Karen Osterman and Cassie Russell, Mike Drugan, Lori Iyer, and our newest member, Natividad Salgado. It's thanks to your support that the shade keeps running. And falling into manholes. Quiet you. But if you're scared of commitment, like some people I could mention... I have no idea what you're talking about. You can make a one-time donation at buymeacoffee.com slash EFCT. Which would be appreciated. Podcasting is a cold, lonely business. You have central heating. And a Snuggie. You promise never to speak of the Snuggie. Anyway... Thank you again for all your support. Say goodnight, Andrew. Goodnight, Andrew. Oh, boy.